0: And so we thank you this morning, we praise you this morning, we worship you this morning because you are so worthy of our worship and our praise. And we invite you this morning to have this time for your, for your own work in us, that through your words in scripture and through the work that you're doing in this church over the coming season, the plans that we're laying out, you would be honored and glorified and we would be edified. So, God, meet us. Meet us in this moment, in this place, in this time. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So, this is uh, the Sunday that we traditionally call Vision Sunday, and it's accompanied by our congregational meeting, which you heard about. will be happening right after the second service here in this room, and you're all invited to be a part of that. And Vision Sunday is kind of a rallying Sunday where we identify a particular theme that we're going to be focusing on over the coming year. And we've already actually done that. We've been talking about the Book of Acts and becoming a countercultural community. And there's actually an insert in your bulletin that has some details about that. I'm not going to go over those uh, at this moment. And then we have our congregational meeting. We vote our budget for the year. Our, Our budget runs October to the end of September. And then we also have new members coming on to our church council that we'll be discussing and voting. So this is an important day for the life of the church. If you're visiting today, this is like, you know, we're around the kitchen a little bit having a conversation, uh, a kitchen table about what, what this church is doing next. But I hope in the midst of that, too, you'll be able to see the heart of God towards us and, and towards you as we look at the scripture and think about where we're headed next and, and what God is doing in the life of, of this community. So it's been an interesting season uh, starting in the winter, we were so blessed to have Pastor Dante and his family come and join us and be a part of our community. Yeah, we're so we're so thankful what God has done in that, and uh, that in part enabled me to. Uh, well, before this actually happened, we had this amazing uh, sort of unexpected thing happen where where we we were asked invited to merge together with Trinity Evangelical Free Church, which is in El Cerrito, and so. We did that over the spring, went through a process of merging with them. And, and there's, a, there's a community of people who've become a part of this community through that. And, and we also have this building in El Cerrito. And we've been talking about what is it like to, to replant uh, a congregation there. So I'll get to that in a little bit. So that happened. And then I went on sabbatical for three and a half months, which was a great blessing. Again, thank you so much for sending me away like that. Uh, And then we came back, and the day I came back, I found out that this building is going to be torn down in June. So we had expected we had maybe two or three more years, but while I was gone, they decided, the school district decided to switch the order of things. So you can see it's been an interesting season. There's a lot of moving parts, and uh, we've been using the lens of the Book of Acts to try to make sense out of all the different pieces and the things that God is doing, to keep us focused on what's core and what's essential. Uh, and this is, this is what we're, we learn in the book of Acts, is that we, when we face all kinds of things, we use the Scripture as a lens. And what you see in the book of Acts is that through the opportunities that come, you know, like, like having a new associate pastor and, and this merger with El Cerrito and the challenges that come, maybe we would think of this building being knocked down as a kind of a challenge before us. Through those kinds of things, God does his work of advancing the gospel, growing the community, developing leaders, sending people out. It's through all of that that God does. So so we can't look at this as like a speed bump in the road for us in the future. This is actually what God is doing if we will listen and walk with him in the journey. And so we believe that just like in the book of Acts, there's going to be some exciting things in store for us this year. As we walk this journey out with the Lord, so I want to talk a little bit about that this morning, but we want to do it through the lens of scripture. so let 's put on our glasses so to speak. Would you open up to uh, the book of Acts? If you need a Bible, raise your hand and we 'll pass one to you it 's going to be uh, Acts chapter two, starting in verse 14, and we will it 's page six hundred twenty eight uh, in that Bible that we 're handing out and Just want to encourage you not to be shy about taking a Bible. We love to pass out Bibles. We had to to order more Bibles. We love ordering more Bibles. Take a Bible home with you if you need one at home. If you already have five or six, maybe don't take more. But, uh, you know, if you need a Bible, take one. Uh, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 14. We're putting on the lens, the glasses, to be able to see into the future, to be able to see what God's calling us to, to be able to make sense out of what's happening in our community uh, and and uh, let me give you a little background so that when we start reading this text, you kind of get it in the flow of things. Of course, you know, Jesus uh, predicted that he would die, and then he died, and he predicted that he would rise again, and he rose again. And before that, he said, after, you know, after I go, I'm going to pour out my spirit. My spirit will come on you and empower you. And so then he rises, and there's 40 days where there's these appearances of Jesus to the disciples, all different kinds of appearances of Jesus to the disciples, and then he ascends into heaven. That's where we pick up the story in the book of Acts. And then there's 10 more days, uh, and then the Holy Spirit is poured out. So the 40 days of appearances after the resurrection plus the 10 days, that's 50 days. And so the, this this thing that we talk about, the Pentecost, the word Pentecost just means 50. It's the 50 days afterwards, and and, and it's at the 50th day that the Holy Spirit gets poured out on the people of God. And sometimes people call this the birth of the church because the Holy Spirit comes on to the people and they start to form this community, which, I mean, this is crazy, has been going on ever since then, right? Nonstop and growing and expanding. All over the world, the church is expanding, not in North America necessarily, but it's expanding in South America, in Africa, in Asia, at phenomenal rates. So this thing continues to move forward. It's amazing because of the outpouring of the Spirit. So Pastor Dante shared that passage with us last week. And then this week we pick up and the Spirit comes onto the people, if you remember from last week, and they start speaking in different languages and they're proclaiming the mighty acts of God in all these different languages. And the rest of the people in Jerusalem, and remember Jerusalem was like, this international capital, in a sense. So you had people from all over the world who spoke all different kinds of languages. And they're there in Jerusalem, and they're hearing these, these disciples proclaiming the mighty works of God in their individual language, languages, all kinds of languages. And the, and the people who are saying it, they don't even know necessarily what they're saying because the Holy Spirit has come on them, and they're speaking in these different languages. So something spectacular is going on here. And and and, and it, it, there, there's this thunderous noise, and and these huge crowds are gathering to figure out what's happening. This is the this is the birth of the church, in a sense. And Peter, the apostle, stands up in the middle of that, and that's where we pick up the story. And he's explaining what's going on with this the this Holy Spirit coming and people speaking in these different languages, and people saying, "Wait, I'm understanding. How does that Galilean know you know speak my language?" Peter's going to explain to us what's going on in verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men and women of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. So this huge crowd and he stands up and he's calling out, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these men and women are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. This might have been a joke to catch their attention. It's 9 a.m. They're not drunk yet because they had been saying, they'd been thinking, well, they must be drunk. He's saying, no, it can't be. It's 9 a.m. Verse 16. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Now, the prophet Joel is from the Old Testament writing in about 830. So uh, plus 30 years because now we're about 30 years on the other side of the death of Christ. And so 800, he's saying this was already foretold 860 years ago. Verse 17. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. This is the whole period of time where the Spirit is poured out leading up to the return of Jesus Christ is sort of condensed into one statement here. Verse 21 And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men and women of Israel, hear these words Jesus of Nazareth, a man arrested For David says concerning him, and here he's going to quote one of the Psalms. So this is about 1,000 years uh, BCE. So uh, and he, and he, it's, it's the, this is really interesting. It's the Messiah, the King Messiah talking here. And David's going to say this can't really refer, or Peter's going to say this really can't refer to David. He'll explain why. I saw the Lord. So this is the Messiah King, the Jesus figure speaking. I saw the Lord always before me. For he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. So that was the death of Jesus. But you have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers and sisters, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing, the Holy Spirit. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord. So David had a Lord, Jesus, who had a Lord, the Lord, the Father. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And verse 37, now when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart, this whole crowd that's been watching this and hearing what Peter is saying, and said to Peter that the rest of the apostle and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, and listen to this. This is a long passage, so really focus in on this part because this is at the very core of it, okay? We're almost done, but this is a core. So focus in on this, if you would. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. We're gonna talk about Getting moving today. In the book of Acts, there's this tremendous motion, this motion of the church forward. And so the theme, because I'm, I'm bringing together both the scripture and our our vision for the next season, is we are moving. And as you're going to see, I mean that both in a physical sense and in a spiritual sense. Okay, So I want to talk about the strategic plan first, and then I want to talk Uh, about the spiritual plan, which is by far way more important than the strategic plan, okay? So, the the spiritual plan is going to be rooted in what we have just read uh, here this morning in this text. Okay, the strategic plan. Regarding facilities, uh, let me just get some of these these main points out here. Um, It might seem obvious for us, because we were we were able to get this building in the merger with the Trinity Free Church. We have this building, we call it the El Cerrito Campus now. It might seem obvious for us as a church, since this building is going to be torn down, to move to the El Cerrito Campus. And so we have talked and prayed about that. And there's a couple of issues that I think we all need to understand. First of all, there's a distance issue to the El Cerrito Campus. We have many people in our congregation who are coming from south, and many people who are coming from campus and if we were to move all, everything all the way to El Cerrito, then that would create a, a difficult dynamic for that crowd on some level. Second one is even more obvious. We continue to grow, and for many of the most recent Sundays, we would not fit in the El Cerrito campus in two services. We would have to immediately go to three services. Okay? So that's another issue. But here's the biggest one. Over the last almost 14 years, we, this is a spiritual thing, we have been anchoring ourselves in the Albany, Berkeley area, building relationships, developing community. We have ties to this place, and we sense that if we were to move everything out to El Cerrito, we would be losing so many of those contacts and those relationships with campus, again, with people to the south, that we have worked, with with this city, that we have worked so hard to build. And so we sense, as we did from day one, that this is our anchor spot. Somewhere in Albany, North Berkeley, is kind of our anchor spot. Now, on the first day back, um, I learned that this building was going to be torn down. I also learned from Russell Doy, one of our members, that uh, he had been talking with Thousand Oaks Church. Uh, His parents are there, and he'd been talking with his parents and the pastor of Thousand Oaks Church in North Berkeley in Upper Solano. And they have a large facility, and the, the worship sanctuary is not being used in the morning at all. And this is a sanctuary that seats probably 300, or with these, the balcony, maybe 350 or something like that. It's one of the larger sanctuaries uh, in the area. This is a densely populated area. There aren't, you know, big buildings around. So we began a conversation with that. Now, uh, Thousand Oaks is at the top of Solano Avenue. If you know where the Pete's is or where the theater is, um, it's, or where Thousand Oaks School, it's right in that spot, right next to Solano Avenue. So very much in this area that we've been thinking about being. Um, and so we began this process of having conversations. We've had multiple conversations with the Thousand Oaks uh, pastor uh, and his wife. And um, we have prayed, and we asked you to pray and fast at the very beginning of the book of Acts. And one of the things we asked you to pray and fast about was wi- for wisdom about our facility and where we would end up worshiping, because we know this building is being torn down. And then uh, right following that day of prayer and fasting, we had a church council meeting and an elder meeting, and then a three-team meeting, which is the staff and the church council and the elders all together, and then another church council meeting. And long story short is we believe that in this coming season, God is calling us. God is leading us on a pathway that has us moving in several different ways. Directions. So let me lay that out for you. First of all, would be a move to Thousand Oaks Church in Thousand Oaks. It's, it's actually called Thousand Oaks, Oaks Assemblage right now, but it's formerly known as Thousand Oaks Baptist Church. So um, you can go ahead and put up that. This. So we would move as a congregation to Thousand Oaks uh, this fall sometime, and we're working out what the, the timing of that would be. Uh, then we would begin uh, to strategically plan on how we're going to relaunch a campus in El Cerrito. Now, I use the word multiply there, and I'm using that uh, very carefully. Uh, What we don't want to happen and miss a great opportunity in El Cerrito is to just simply divide our congregation and have a few people start worshiping there and then the rest of the people worshiping here. We want to send a called, equipped, prayed-over group of people to El Cerrito to get in the community and reach out with the gospel and then start a work in that place. See, those are very two different mindsets. One is division, one is multiplication. And we're looking towards multiplication. In order to do that well, we kind of have to get ourselves settled with, with our anchor place and then multiply into the new place. Now, this also changes the dynamic of where we are. And so we're thinking, and this is maybe a reach, but in 2020, we would be looking towards an evening service in South Berkeley, be able to hit students and uh, people who live to the South uh, and, and, and be able to just continue to multiply in that way. We've got, um, you know, different pastoral candidates and stuff who want to come back and serve, and that, that might be just a plant uh, in that direction. So we're, we're holding that loosely, but we sort of sense that this is what God might be doing over the next season. And, and so we prayed and we fasted and we talked endlessly and now we're ready, starting today, to begin to go in this direction. So that is the plan, is to multiply in those different ways. Now, a few photos uh, of these. So if you go to the next one, uh, this is our the El Cerrito campus. And um, uh, many of you have been there. We've even, we've even worshiped there over the summer. Uh, and so uh, we're looking at multiplying in the winter uh, into that campus. And then you probably have, some of you may not have seen Thousand Oaks, so if you go to the next slide, the Thousand Oaks Baptist Church, is. that's a picture of it from the outside. It's right across the street from Thousand Oaks Elementary School, right a block, less, basically half a block off Solano. Uh, and then there's the sanctuary on the inside, uh, and it's at Catalina and Calusa is the, the exact spot. Um, and so you can go to the next slide. Oh, this is what I was going to share with you, too. So what, we were, what, we're, what we're looking at here is this is, this is where we currently meet at Univers- University Village right here. This is going to be torn down. So then we would go and, and everybody move over to Thousand Oaks for a season, and then we're going to prepare to send off a, a team. I know you can't see this because it's so small, but this is the best I can do. Uh, over to, to uh, El Cerrito to relaunch that co- congregation, and then a year later or so, think about a South Berkeley. Um, so that those who are driving a little bit further to get to Thousand Oaks will eventually be able to, to, do, to uh, help minister to them, uh, make it a little bit more convenient. So that is the plan that we're looking at in the coming season, and that's a strategic plan. And for some of you, you look at that and you go, "You're like, you're excited. You're like, let's do this. I've been waiting for a long time. Let's go." Like, I, when you're like, "When are we? Fin- when? I'm just so glad you finally got to this point, right? You all." Uh, and so, and some of you though are like, you know, um, have a lot of questions. And what you, when you see that, you just see all the details. And they just start flowing in your head. And you're like, how are we going to take care of this and this and this and this and this? And that's, that's, uh, those are important questions as well. And what I would say to us, wherever we fall on this, is that in healthy community, it takes all of those gifts working together to then move in the best way possible. Because we need the detail people to point out the details, but we also need the faith people to be like, hey, whatever the details are, we could do this with God's help, right? And so we need to come together around that and and work together on it. And it's a pretty bold kind of a thing, but I would say that on some level, as I've been praying into this and just asking, you know, Lord, what are you doing with our congregation at this time? And it, it feels a little bit like the Lord is forcing our hand. He's getting us moving. We have a congregation that is filled with amazing people who've been gifted by God. And I think we've got a lot of potential leaders who are sitting on the bench right now who need to get into the game. Um, we have a lot of giftedness that's not, being, that's not coming to the fore and being expressed in our community. And maybe what God is doing in this season is creating space for some of that to be released and for people to get into ministry in that way as we continue to roll forward. Um, You know, the other thing is God has said to us, and this is one of the big messages in the book of Acts, that he's poured out his spirit upon his people. And as we live into our identity as sons and daughters who have the Holy Spirit, then you know, the, the, the idea of, of going after big tasks becomes more manageable and, and, and acceptable. In fact, what we do in this is we, we express faith in a God who's big enough to accomplish what we couldn't ever do in our own strength. And, and it's so easy as a church to live within our means, to accomplish just those things that we could just do in our own strength. And, and to lose sight that, you know, if we stretch ourselves to something that maybe we couldn't do in our own strength, then that's when, that's when we have to begin relying on God, and that's the best place to be, that place of dependency and reliance and waiting and leaning and expecting and, and desperation. That's where, we, that's where we ought to be living. You know, when we planted this church, that's how it was. I remember those first moments where we made commitments to start things where there was just felt like there was no turning back. And it feels sometimes a little bit like you're jumping off a cliff. And it was so fun this week to feel like I'm a little bit back in that place, to feel like we're stepping off in faith to see God do something greater than what we could do in our own strength. So that's the strategic plan. But like I said, there is a spiritual plan that is way more important than the strategic plan. If the Lord's going to do this, um, it has to be built on the same foundation that we see here in the book of Acts at the beginning of the church. Right there at the beginning. I love when we were, had church council this last week and, and Patria, uh, one of our newer council members, she said it like this. She said, it's, it's, we have this precious gift and we want to get it in the hands of others. That's really at the core of what's going on in the book of Acts here. That's why there's expansion. That's why there's movement. That's why they're spreading, is because they have this precious gift that they want to get in the hands of others. It's a loving thing to do. And we see that outlined. The nature of this gift is outlined in verse 38 and 39, if you would look there with me, verses 38 and 39. Chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. And, and let me just remind you a few of the, the hallmarks of this. Let's And for some of you, this is probably review. And I want to ask you not to check out, okay, because you've heard some of these things before. Because this is actually the center of all that we do. And if we're going to continue to move forward, it's going to be rooted and, and established in this simple teaching that Peter Gives us, And for those of you who are visiting today, or maybe you're not sure where you are with, the, with God, or, you, you know, you're seeking, we're so glad that you're seeking with us, and we want to be a part of that journey with you, know that this is kind of the heart of, of everything that we're about. This is the heart of it right here in verse 38. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Now, repentance never feels good in the beginning, but it certainly feels good afterwards, Right? It's always hard to get over that hump of repentance. It's always hard to call somebody to repent. It's always hard to be that person who's repenting because it strikes at the core of our pride. We don't want to acknowledge that we have need, that we've, that we've messed up, that we're, that we're people who have sinned and, and need to repent of sin. But it's true of every person except Jesus Christ who's ever walked this planet, that we need to repent. And then the flip side of repentance is contained in this phrase, be baptized, which is, which is to express faith. It's, a, it's the outward expression of an inward reality. That's what baptism is. It's an outward expression of an inward reality. Inward reality is that we put our faith in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're baptized, it says, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For, and the reason for this, is the forgiveness of your sins, Now, just remind you why it's beautiful to be forgiven of your sins. And maybe you can think about this on the human plane for a little bit. Some of the deepest kind of pain that we experience is the relational pain in our lives, separation from the people around us. Can can you feel that? Can you feel me on that? Think about the hardest relationships in your life, okay? You can be physically ill. But when the most important relationships in your lot in your life are broken, there's a kind of a pain that strikes to the very core of your being. Now take that knowledge that you have on the horizontal plane and aim it vertically in your relationship with God. Now we lose sight of this, we get callous to this, but really the greatest problem is our separation from God. The deepest pains in our life are related to our separation. From God. And this little phrase, forgiveness of your sins, is about the healing of that separation. That we might be restored and reunited with our Maker. That's the, that's the beautiful message of the gospel. It starts with some challenge. Repenting is hard, acknowledging your sin is hard, but it ends with the forgiveness and the release. We can't even acknowledge all of our sin if we don't have hope that there is the possibility of forgiveness. And that's what this text says. It says that in Jesus Christ, there is the possibility of forgiveness, not only for you, but for the people around you. And the the thing that you and I need most, what we need more than anything else in this world, is to be in right relationship with God. And the way that happens is when we're forgiven through Jesus Christ. And you will receive forgiveness the gift of the holy spirit so there's the gift of forgiveness and there's the gift of the holy spirit which is which is god himself taking up residence in us to guide us to empower us to bring this precious gift to others to to carry it forward to have it sink deeper and deeper into our own consciousness and understanding to have the gift of the gospel, sink deeper into the the dark closets of our lives where there needs to be healing and redemption and renewal. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And this promise of the Holy Spirit, verse 39, is for you. It's for you sitting here today. It's for you. And it's for your children and it's for all in El Cerrito in Albany Berkeley and South Berkeley it's for all who are far off everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself so just a little parenthesis here if you're if you're if you're seeking today if you're part of this journey with us and you're seeking and you're not sure Where are you at? The question is, is God calling you by his spirit today to himself? Is God calling you by his spirit through Jesus Christ to himself today? That's that's the primary question. That's the primary question. And you may have just a little tiny bit of faith to respond with. uh, Or you might have a lot of faith, but it doesn't matter. Because God can take the little little hesitant steps that you make in faith. Just a little mustard seed of faith. He can take that and expand upon it and grow it. So don't be ashamed of your little faith. If God is wooing you and calling you to himself today, then what the scripture teaches us is that the appropriate response is to simply say yes in faith. Yes, yes. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in his forgiveness of my sins over which I repent today. When that happens, the Holy Spirit is poured into us and it leads us into this next aspect which is so critical. What we're envisioning today in our our vision is a kind of a framework. It's just a simple framework. So much of it has to be worked out in the community of faith. And what the beautiful thing is, I love, uh, this is the, the remarkable thing about what Jesus taught, is it's, it's so democratic. I don't mean that in a political sense. I mean it in the more just definition. It's so democratic in verse 17. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall see dreams, etc., etc. This spirit is poured out on everybody. Everybody has a part in the fulfillment of what God is doing in the world through the church. Everybody in the church has a part of that, and the spirit is given to each one. So so this vision that we're putting out today is just kind of a framework. It's just kind of a direction, it's a vector, but so much more of it has to be is yet to be determined. It's yet to be determined as we live into our calling, as we allow ourselves to be moved individually and collectively by the Holy Spirit for the work that God wants to do in and through us. That's the exciting part. This is just the, just a little kickoff. How is God going to work through you to bring witness of his goodness, to bring this precious gift to the people around you, to call you into service and ministry in ways that you haven't understood or envisioned? so that the gospel can continue to go forward. You look at the apostles and the disciples all throughout the book of Acts, they're bumbling along, they don't know, and they keep stumbling into these opportunities that God turns around for his glory, for gospel impact. And that's what God wants to do with us as well. He wants to empower us for witness, for service. Uh, He talks in terms of prophecy and visions and dreams. And we all need this to become the community that God intends to witness effectively. We're going to be starting this Gospel Academy uh, here this Wednesday. We're going to be looking at the heart of God, but then it's going to be a kind of a workshop. So if you've got somebody that you've been wanting to share the, this precious gift with, come and be a part of this Gospel Academy. If, if you have some baggage around sharing the gift of, of Christ with others, and maybe you've, you saw it done in a way that was not loving, um, come to this Gospel Academy and begin to work through what it means. It's going to be kind of a workshop together of sharing our faith. On, and, and then we're also, over the course of our study of the book of Acts, we're going to be looking at opportunities for growing our, to grow in our understanding of the Holy Spirit, one of the key elements. And here we have this, these words like visions and dreams and, and prophecy. What does that mean? Well, over the course of this season, we're going to be exploring what those things are, Together. So be looking for opportunities to gather in prayer, um, to come together and to to explore how it is that we live out the dynamic that's so prevalent in the early church with this spiritual empowerment for the work of ministry. And as always, there's a kind of a yes that we each have to say to the work of God in our lives. So he presents us, and, and in this scripture today, God is coming to you and he's saying, Look, Here's what's on the table. This is what I'm offering to you to become, to be a part of. Okay? This precious gift is for you, for your children, and for all who are far off. And I'm inviting you to be a part of the journey of sharing this across the community and beyond. And we have to say We have to decide what we're going to say to the Lord as he comes to us today. Are we going to say yes to the Lord in this this offer, this invitation that he's making to us? And it might cost us at times, right? It might cost us to say yes to the Lord. This last Monday, previous Monday, I was in Minneapolis, and I walked out of the hotel and, and met my friend who was going to be we are going to be driving up to Duluth together. And as we walked, there was a woman standing there, and she was bawling. And, I mean, just crying outwardly. I mean, and we, we sort of walked by, and then you could tell it was like a check in the spirit. Yeah, you can't just walk by this. So we turned around, and, and we started to talk. And, and she shared with us that she had just come from Chicago. She'd come with a guy, and she woke up in this hotel and everything she had was gone, and and he was gone. And she didn't have a phone. She didn't have anything. She's just standing in this foreign place. Um, she knows the address of her sister-in-law, which is in St. Paul. We're, we're in Bloomington, and we're going to be driving kind of in that direction. And so we said, can we give you a ride? She said, please, that would be wonderful. So she got in the car, and we, we started to drive. And we started to ask her some questions about her plans. She's very young, I would say, maybe possibly late teens, probably early 20s, you know, what are your plans? Well, I want to go to school. I want to, I want to, I want to go to, you know, uh, after that, I want to, you know, get a job. And, and so we began to share how those are beautiful plans, but to do those alone without the help of God, you know, is going to really diminish your possibility of, of succeeding with some of the obstacles that you're facing. And she was listening carefully, and, and then we began to talk about how there's one who will never leave you and forsake you she'd been forsaken that night in a hotel room and as we were talking about these things she started to weep in the back seat and and we paused and and we prayed and as we were driving up to the sister-in-law's house we we prayed with her kind of talking about this precious gift and and the forgiveness of it and and she continued to to weep in the back seat as she as she listened and as we drove up to the the apartment complex i i said to God as you do you know okay Lord what what do I do now and uh, you know I don't know about the uh, just the impression I got was give her your Bible and and I said to the Lord "Um, Lord that's my favorite Bible (laughs) and then it was give her your Bible and then I thought I would take a different tack I said that's my preaching Bible and sermons hanging out of it, and, you know, what have you. And then this word, Andrew, if you can't give your Bible up, the Bible's not working on you. So I lost my Bible. <laughs> and I didn't even say, you're going to read it now, aren't you? I just gave it away, uh, and she, she took it, and, and her name's Paris. Pray for Paris right now. Everybody pray for Paris. Maybe she's reading the Word of God, and and being ministered to and, and blessed by it. But it just struck me that if we are going to step out in faith, oftentimes it's like that. We need to be ready to give up the things that are near and dear to us for the sake of something larger and greater, for the sake of what God is doing. And I don't doubt that every one of us is going to have a moment like that in the coming season, where we're being asked to give up our favorite Bible, you know, for the sake of what God is doing. And I hope and pray that we can continue to grow in our courage and our trust in the Lord so we might see the work that God wants to do in our midst as he continues to call us along this journey. I wanted to have time for us to kind of get in in small groups, um, but we don't have time to do that, so I'm going to just pray with us together. But what, what, what we wanted to communicate with that is that the the vision is not done. When we put out a framework, it's just the beginning. It's up to each of us to be praying and leaning into God's call on our lives and how that's going to look in the coming season. And so let me just say this as we pray. Sons and daughters who have been given the Spirit, would you step out to live more fully into your identity in this coming season as a son or a daughter of the king who's been given keys, who's been given empowerment, been given the signet ring, everything that's necessary to carry out the work to which we've been called. We've been given it all. And God, would you, we know we know you're faithful you've been so faithful would you pour out your spirit upon us right now on your people just as you did those many many years ago this small band who'd gathered together would you do it with us to empower our witness not necessarily to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth, but to Albany and Berkeley and El Cerrito and and South Berkeley and wherever it is that you're calling us through the missionaries that we support on the mission field. Lord, would you empower your people for witness? We have this precious gift, and we want to get it in the hands of others.